Hi, welcome to the podcast. In this session, we're going to cover brand new ACOG data that's coming out in January 2019 regarding an update on chronic hypertension in pregnancy. Specifically, does ACOG agree with the new changes and definition of chronic hypertension as proposed by the American Heart Association and the American College of Cardiology? And when do we treat chronic hypertension in pregnancy? Well, let's dive into the new data now. In January 2019, ACOG will release Practice Bulletin 203, dealing with chronic hypertension in pregnancy. Chronic hypertension in pregnancy is defined as hypertension diagnosed or present before pregnancy or before 20 weeks of gestation. Hypertension that is diagnosed for the first time during pregnancy and that does not resolve in the typical postpartum period also is classified as chronic hypertension. Traditionally, the criteria for hypertension in pregnancy under this definition is a systolic blood pressure of 140 or more or a diastolic blood pressure of 90 millimeters of mercury or more or both. In general, it is a recommendation that a diagnosis of hypertension require at least two determinations at least four hours apart. Although on occasion, especially when faced with severe hypertension, the diagnosis can be confirmed within a shorter interval, even minutes, to facilitate timely therapy. Ah, but medicine is an ever-changing specialty. Recent recommendations from the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association have changed the criteria for diagnosing hypertension in adults. Remember, this is in non-pregnant individuals. These recommendations include classifying blood pressure into four categories. The first is normal, which is systolic blood pressure less than 120 and a diastolic blood pressure less than 80 millimeters of mercury. The second category is elevated blood pressure. That's a systolic blood pressure of 120 to 129 and a diastolic pressure of less than 80. The third stage is called stage 1 hypertension, and that's a systolic blood pressure of 130 to 139 or a diastolic pressure of 80 to 89 millimeters of mercury. The fourth category is stage 2 hypertension. That's a systolic blood pressure of 140 or more or a diastolic of 90 millimeters of mercury or more. Remember that these changes were made to assist in clinical and public health decision making and reflect data to suggest modifiable long-term cardiovascular risk even in the elevated and stage 1 hypertension ranges. Now importantly, the recommendations now suggest beginning treatment in non-pregnant adults with risk factors for current or future cardiovascular disease in those who have stage 1 hypertension. So, OB care providers may see an increase in patients classified as hypertensive based on these new AHA definitions. For these patients, it's reasonable, according to the college, to continue to manage the patient in pregnancy as chronically hypertensive as specified in this podcast. Now, the effect of the American Heart Association changes on the diagnosis of hypertension in women of reproductive age on pregnancy outcome and on the use of healthcare resources for pregnant women is actually still unknown. 
For instance, it's not clear what should be done with a patient without a prior diagnosis of chronic hypertension who has blood pressure in the stage 1 hypertension range and is before 20 weeks of gestation. So based on the recommendations in the practice bulletin that we're going to cover in this podcast, this range would not require initiation of antihypertensive medication. However, a conservative approach or a higher degree of observation may still be warranted. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, now we have to clarify something about this 20-week rule for blood pressure clarification. Remember, historically, high blood pressure before 20 weeks was considered chronic hypertension, and that found after 20 weeks was presumed to be pregnancy-induced or pregnancy-associated. But the assumption that the 20-week mark always can discriminate chronic hypertension from pregnancy-related hypertension is actually not well substantiated by scientific data. For example, a retrospective cohort study found that 39% of women with a history of obstetric complications and normal blood pressure before delivery, as indicated on blood pressure recordings before and during pregnancy, developed non-proteinuric gestational hypertension before 20 weeks that resolved in the postpartum period. So the authors of the study concluded that hypertension arising in the first 20 weeks may not necessarily indicate chronic hypertension. So it does actually defy logic to think that at one point in time, like 20 weeks of gestation, may always and reliably differentiate disease preceding pregnancy from a pregnancy-related condition. The 20-week convention should not be used that dogmatically, but rather for orientation while maintaining clinical judgment. All right, now before we get into specific management options, the whole question is, why even control or maintain blood pressure in pregnancy? Well, remember that there's two issues we're trying to prevent here, maternal risks and fetal risks. Let's take a look at maternal risks first. A population study of nearly 30,000 pregnant women with chronic hypertension demonstrated that maternal mortality and the risk of cerebrovascular accidents, pulmonary edema, or renal failure were about five to six-fold higher than in normotensive pregnant women. However, the absolute risk of mortality and major maternal morbidity is still low in developed countries, and most women with mild essential hypertension will have uncomplicated pregnancies. Only in cases of severe, uncontrolled hypertension does the risk of maternal complications markedly increase. Chronic hypertension is associated with an increased risk of gestational diabetes, possibly as a consequence of common risk factors like obesity and shared pathogenic contexts like increased insulin resistance, chronic inflammation, and endothelial dysfunction. Now, on to fetal effects. A large body of evidence indicates that chronic hypertension in pregnancy is associated with poor perinatal outcomes. This includes fetal growth restriction and preterm birth. 
Additionally, the perinatal mortality rate is two to four times higher than that of the general population. The incidence of these adverse perinatal effects appears to be related to the duration and the severity of chronic hypertension as possible surrogates for end organ damage. Lastly, limited evidence is emerging that patients with chronic hypertension may be at higher risk of fetal congenital malformations. The authors of a case control study based on registry data confirmed the above findings supporting the hypothesis that physiological changes early in pregnancy among women with chronic hypertension may play a role in the etiology of cardiac septal defects, hypospadias, and possibly even esophageal atresia. All right, when we come back, we're going to cover the specifics on medical management of chronic hypertension in pregnancy. What should be the target goal of blood pressure in pregnancy? Well, we'll get into that in part two, which is the next session of this mini podcast series covering the January 2019 practice bulletin number 203. We'll see you on part two coming up shortly. <music> 